Thanks to Sprout Social for supporting Industry Focus. Sprout Social offers businesses an intuitive platform to help build meaningful relationships at scale on social media. To learn how your brand can create real connection, visit SproutSocial.com today. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, May 23rd, and we're discussing Redfin. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Motley Fool analyst Tim Byers by Skype. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing well, Nick. How about you? I am doing great. I'm excited to talk about Redfin today. This is a company that both of us own uh, in our own personal portfolios, I believe. Before we dive into kind of discussing what Redfin is and the opportunities it has as an investment, how did you first come across this company, Tim? How did it come onto your radar? It's very interesting because I work here in the Colorado office and Austin Smith, who is the founder of our, uh, it's kind of a I guess you would call it a sister business, the Million Acres, uh, Motley Fool Million Acres subsidiary. And uh, we have a product there called Mogul, in which we're looking at helping investors, real estate investors, get uh, into interesting business and interesting commercial properties. And Redfin is one that we discussed just out of, you know, sort of hobbyist concerns. Uh, Austin is a really great uh, real estate investor. He's got a track record in this area. And so he introduced me to Redfin and I started digging and digging and digging. Uh, and ultimately, I, I got so convinced that this was an interesting company that uh, I not only bought shares, but I presented a investing case to our board of directors at The Motley Fool. So I've kind of been on the Redfin train for a few months now, but it all started as just kind of a random side conversation with Austin Smith, the, the founder of Million Acres. Yeah, that sounds very similar to kind of how I came across uh, Redfin. One of my closest friends, a couple years ago, right around when it had IPO'd, one of his aunts as a Redfin agent had talked had talked about how she really loved the experience so much. And then I realized, you know, they're offering. We'll talk about this later. Lower commissions for um, for folks who are who are buying homes in law school. I'd taken several classes about uh, the real estate industry and kind of seen some of the places where the incentives don't exactly line up. So you have a company yeah. where the folks that work for them on the broker side are really happy uh, with their experience there, as well as something from a customer point of view, the value prop just makes a ton of sense. Um, and, and companies perform really well. You know, I know part of that, what I just said, probably touches somewhat for our listeners on what Redfin does, but uh, I just want to dive into that a little more in depth uh, so we can give a picture of what the company is. They, they call themselves a technology-powered real estate company. They have the number one most visited brokerage website online. They define their mission as redefining real estate in the consumer's favor. Uh, Tim, can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the offerings that Redfin has and how what they have done to change the industry to fulfill their mission? Right. So, it's a good question. And Redfin is not your typical real estate brokerage. All of the brokers are employees. They use technology in order to increase the efficiency in that cycle of buying or selling a home. And so they have a lot of different products. All of them are technology powered in some way. So of course there's listings and you can list your home with Redfin and pay a small commission for that to, to list. It's either between 1% or 1.5%. Usually that's 3%. Uh, and if you sell your home, traditionally it costs about 6% of the total sell price, uh, 3% for the, the seller's agent. 3% for the buyer's agent. They split that 50-50. Redfin doesn't work that way. Uh, they will work with other agents, but they lower the cost to either the buyer or the seller, whoever they represent, 
because they have this technology at play and they do more things in the sales cycle. So they have a title company, Title Forward. They have Redfin Mortgage. Uh, they will, uh, if you want to pay a slightly higher fee, they have something called Redfin Concierge in which they will come in, clean up your home, uh, get it all ready for showing, uh, and you just pay a little bit of the extra on the sale price uh, in order to get that. And they'll go as far as buying your home outright, uh, take 7% off the price, and then hold that, put the home on their balance sheet, and then resell it, uh, usually at a profit. And that's something called Redfin Now. And they've been doing pretty well with that. So the way I think of it, Nick, is that Redfin is trying to add liquidity to the residential real estate market. And what I mean by that is you can sell faster, you can buy more easily, there's less headache about worrying about selling your existing home before you buy the home and then that funny period where you have to go get a condo or whatever it is. They're trying to add liquidity and sort of shrink this time between uh, selling your home and buying a new one. And in doing so, they're generating a lot of value. So they're not the only one doing this, but they're uniquely focused on doing the the entirety of the business from brokering all the way through to writing a mortgage, getting you a title and cleaning up your home. It's It's a pretty interesting business. And like you said, they've done very well with it. Right. And you talk about, you know, when we list out these numbers, oh, you're paying, you know, one or one and a half percent to Redfin versus three percent uh, to a, you know, traditional buyer's agent or seller's agent, you know, to a listener, you know, might not sound like that much money. But when you're talking about a home purchase transaction, this tends to be the largest transactions the average American or person, even in general, goes through in their lifetime. So that one or two percent really can translate to thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. So it's, it's really yeah. a significant uh, amount of money. So uh, that one or two percentage difference can really make a huge difference in the amount of money you take home as a seller or your effective selling price as a buyer when you have to account for that uh, in the selling price. As you mentioned, uh, Redfin, according to data that they, they, they put out, uh, sells their listings quicker, sells them at a higher average price. So for, from the buyer's point of view or, or the, the person participating in the real estate transactions point of view, there are a lot of uh, things that make sense from a value point of view, but there also is some appeal for agents as well. There's two sides of this transaction. Agents have to choose to go to work for Redfin, um, and uh, the compensation structure for a Redfin agent, you are salary with a bonus and benefits. You usually get stock options. You compare that to a traditional broker where you're an independent contractor paid wholly on commission. With yeah, You're paying for your own health insurance, those sorts of things. Uh, you look at some data as well. Redfin agents earn more on average than the than the typical broker, at least to the data that, that I've seen. So, the, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average real estate agent makes around forty six thousand dollars. Redfin reports that their median agent salary, agent salary, including stock based comp, but not including benefits like healthcare, which everybody knows how significant healthcare costs can be as part of as oh, part yeah. of your expenses, makes ninety thousand dollars. So, so you're looking at uh, Redfin agents making twice what the average is for for a, a, a traditional broker. And, of course, the folks who are on the very high end of the real estate brokerage market, of course, are going to be making more than that. If you're, make, if you're selling super high-end homes in LA and making making the traditional 6%, sure. 6% commission, you're making more. But for the average broker, 
this really makes a lot of sense. And so when you have something that makes sense both for the customer and for the person providing the service, the broker, it just really makes a ton of sense. Uh, anything around, around that broker side of the transaction, Tim, that appeals to you as an investor? Yeah, I mean, and it, there are some other uh, things that I think are competitive advantages that I see that I really like as an investor. So one of them is that you know a traditional broker uh, because they're a contractor, they will either recruit or have an office where they pay people to do things like uh, set up the yard sign, clean up the front yard, they'll maybe hire contractors, and they, that's all on their book. They do that themselves. Um, they're also, you know, like doing all of the scheduling themselves, unless they've hired a personal assistant to do that. And this is all money that you carry on your book. When you're a Redfin agent, the that support system is built into the company that you work for. Uh, you're not hiring that out. You're just you're getting those services and bringing them to bear. So I've heard, um, you know, through folks who've dealt with Redfin agents that this is something that they really like because they focus on the sale, they focus on the customer. More of their time is focused on the customer, whether it's the buy or the sale. Another thing I I really like about this is that with the um, uh, the the equity and the salary plus bonus, they're very much aligned with the customer. There is no incentive to generate the highest possible price. Now, granted, Redfin does want to sell at a higher price. It's good for them to sell at a higher price. There are bonuses. Those bonuses are based on sale price. But overall, as, a, as an advocate, um, a traditional realtor is completely incentivized to get you into the highest transaction they possibly can. Their commission depends on that. And that's just not true for a Redfin agent. So I think it's easier for them to be more of an advocate for the buyer or seller. Um, and, and certainly, uh, I, I really like that you know a lot. Not only is the average pay package a little bit higher, but just the incentives are aligned. And we I mean, Nick, we both work in the financial services industry, and this is a problem that the financial services industry uh, has too. You've probably, if you've listened to Industry Focus for a while, uh, and if you've been with us at The Motley Fool, you've probably heard us say, use a fee-based financial planner because their interests are more likely to be aligned with yours. And I kind of think of Redfin agents in the same way. They're like the fee-based planners of the real estate industry. And I, I like that a lot. Right. I mean, when you have an industry, and maybe we'll talk about this later on the show, like real estate brokerage that really hasn't undergone a lot of change over yes. you know the past several decades, you have a company like Redfin that is leveraging technology, putting an incentive structure in place that makes sense both from the uh, the person going through, like I said, the real estate transactions point of view, and from the point of view of the broker. Uh, there's just a lot to like there. And then you put this, and we'll talk about the industry a little bit. You put this in an industry with with an addressable market. I mean, in 2018, Redfin estimates. Uh, that there were $80 billion in, in real estate transactions in 2018. Yeah. Redfin is a company that's, what, $1.5, $1.6 billion today, $487 million in revenue in 2018, going into an $80 right. billion addressable market. Lots of opportunities to continue to grow over time. Uh, what can you say about uh, just Redfin's market opportunity relative to where they stand today? 
Well, it's huge. I mean, and it's all relationship driven, much like the rest of the real estate industry. So if you start with Redfin and a Redfin agent, one of the great advantages, and this is something that we don't talk about a lot, there are other national real estate brands, but those brands basically are holding companies that have local contracted agents and so that agent is like a Coldwell Banker agent. They don't work for Coldwell Banker. They work for themselves. And so they rent basically the right to use the Coldwell Banker name or um, you know, Century 21 or, or uh, Remax, which just recently ended up uh, striking a deal with Redfin and then pulling out of it. But the difference is that Redfin's network, which is going nationwide, those are all employees. Uh, so if you start in LA and you say you're going to move to Seattle uh, for a job, you could theoretically um, sell your home in LA, move up to Seattle, let Redfin take care of the sale in LA while you focus on settling in Seattle. And all of that will be handled entirely within the Redfin family. And it could be that you sell it with Redfin now, which is their instant buyer program, uh, buy traditionally by finding the right home using their website and then getting the, the broker to do the work for you of getting the title set up and getting the mortgage set up and working with those mortgage arms. Redfin can handle all of that because they handle so much of the transaction. The upfront fees uh, in, in the transaction itself can be lower because they're just taking a greater part of the overall transaction itself. So they're, they're really making more money. And this is another way that they're aligned with the, with the buyer or the seller. They make more money when the buyer and seller either save more money or make more money. That, that's huge because they're not making it on a giant commission. They're making it on getting you into the right mortgage. And then they're making a little extra on getting you a good title. That is, you know, makes sense for the property that you're buying and so forth. So by offering you more services and just, you know, shrinking the time it takes for you to move from point A to point B and making that a smoother experience, they earn more. That's a great model because it means that the more satisfied the customer, the more and the more that they like the moving experience, the more they're going to come back to Redfin. And you don't really get that with another type of broker. It's usually, well, I'm going to stay in my regional area. I'm going to have my regional broker. They're going to show me around, and then I'll move to the house down the street. And that's usually the way it is. Redfin's thinking much bigger than that. Yeah, and you're seeing some of this in the numbers. So, uh, you know, and Redfin has reported that their repeat business is growing at a 35% rate relative to yep. their online customers they're bringing in, only growing at a 20% rate. So that means these customers that Redfin is bringing in, they're keeping them around, whether it's moving from state to state, like you were mentioning, uh, 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 Tim, or whether it's just, you know, next time they go to buy or sell a home, Redfin is the first place they think of. Uh, again, another important thing to note, we talked about how, how little they've, 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 penetrated their addressable market. They're still less than 1% market share of total home values sold. We mentioned that $80 billion in real estate commissions in 2018. That's just the real estate commissions part of the business. They're expanding uh, their their core business with, with, with uh, the real estate brokerage, as Tim said, into, into mortgages, into title insurance, expanding their operation. And as their business continues to grow, 
They can move into more and more of these verticals. They have these classic network effects, both through their online listings as well as like we mentioned, those relationships that the brokers have with folks in each one of those communities, the relationships they build with their existing customers. This is a company that really, as it scales, feels like it can become a snowball rolling downhill and just pick up more and more as things go along. Um, On the back half of the show, we'll talk about another part of the business Redfin is moving into. That's Redfin Direct. And we'll also go over their most recent earnings reports. But first, a note from our sponsor. Thanks to Sprout Social for supporting Industry Focus. What makes people love the brands they love? In a word, that's connection. And social media is where they look for that connection. Sprout Social gives businesses a unified solution to find, engage with, and nurture their audiences through social. In one intuitive platform, see and respond to every message. Join the conversations happening around your brand and turn rich social data into actionable insights. More than 25,000 organizations around the globe use Sprout to create real connection. Sprout Social is the most robust and cohesive social media business solution built to create connection at scale. Sprout software offers deep social listening and analytics, social media management, customer care, and advocacy solutions to help brands find, form, and deepen relationships with the people who love them. To learn how your brand can create real connection, visit SproutSocial.com fool today. That's SproutSocial.com fool. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about uh, Redfin's most recent earnings numbers that we got back at the beginning of May. You know, Tim, we've had some time to digest these since they've come out. What yeah. popped out to you most uh, from this presentation, just from a numbers point of view? We'll dive into Redfin Direct in a, a little bit more in a second. So, I red, revenue was up over thirty eight percent, which is a great number. It's a little bit skewed, and it's important to point out that. A lot of that outsized growth is from other services. So it's from mortgage, it's from title, and most specifically from Redfin Now. So uh, Redfin Now, and, and let's just, if we can, take a quick step back. Basically, what Redfin Now is, is, um, you know, it's house flipping. I know they hate us using that term, but the house flipping market where, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines go in and they buy a house and then they fix it up and then they sell it and they make a nice profit. Uh, that has been a cottage industry for a long time and we've seen it on reality television for years. But now you have bigger brands like Redfin using data coming in and saying, you know what, we could make X offers on these types of homes. And they're using it from just years of sales data, decades of sales data. And they're using that to make appropriate bids at the right homes, pulling that inventory onto their balance sheet, and then moving it within a year. That's roughly what they're trying to do, I think within a few months, quite frankly. Uh, So it's still ramping up. They have a limit on how much they can spend, but Redfin now was up uh, to $21.4 million versus $3.1 million last year. So, I mean, it's up over you know, roughly 7x. That's an incredible gain. Uh, the mortgage and title services were up 59%. So, the core brokerage business was up 15%. That's good. Um, it's, it's not amazing, but it's good. I mean, it was kind of a wobbly market uh, last year. And so, you know, to know that they were up during that period and that it accelerated sequentially is is a pretty good sign. It shows that that Redfin does have a pretty loyal base of customers that they can pull from, and and that's a good thing. But um, a lot of what's happening here is this is a business that's in transition. 
and as it transitions into these higher growth businesses and pulling in more of the transaction to serve customers in a bigger way, I, I think that's going to be very good for them over the long term. But they're still building that, Nick. Yeah, you talked about uh, the brokerage revenue. It, it was up in spite of a, mark, a a real estate market that contracted somewhat in 2017. And to see that continue uh, to trend up going into the first quarter of this year is positive. You, also, when it comes to that growth, management talked about they'd been a little bit hesitant to hire a large number of agents in, in the, in the uh, 2018 as there was some weakness in the real estate market. So, as yep. you see things solidify underneath them, you might see that growth rate tick up a little bit. Um, you saw their loss expand a little bit uh, in this quarter versus a year ago, a $67 million loss versus $36 million in a year ago quarter. However, that's driven in large part, you mentioned um, you mentioned Redfin now, what some investments they're making there. But also, uh, in the first part of this year, they really started ramping up a national advertising campaign. They had a Super Bowl right. ad. Uh, yep. I'm talking about uh, The CEO was talking about 2019 is going to be the story of what happens to Redfin when the entire country is aware of our of our customer uh, value proposition? And they've been really rolling out advertising to make sure as many people as possible are aware of that. Tim, as you see them, you know, kind of going after a broad mass audience, it, do you think Redfin is really starting to hit that turning point where they're hitting scale and can really start to press on, on these things in a large, broad way? Well, they're building out tools to help them do that. It, it's it's uncomfortable. Um, they're stretching their agents a little bit, uh, which is why you saw some uh, some shrinking in the. We talked about this before the show, Nick. Like some some shrinking in the in the gross margins. Um, that's because they've they've got some agents that are learning how to take on a bigger workload uh, using their tools. So they're kind of figuring out exactly what the right mix is. So they're not there yet, and I think it would be a mistake to say they're there. But they're getting there. They're getting much closer. And I do think that this is, uh, it's absolutely right. One of the things that could make Redfin, you know, a massive winner from here is if it moves from its traditional domain on the coasts, both east and west coast, into the interior. You know, there's a really, it's a fascinating stat. The, the, on, uh, on U-Haul, you know, the, the cost of renting a U-Haul to go from California to Texas is much higher, more than double the cost of renting a U-Haul to go from Dallas to Los Angeles. I think that's fascinating. It means that there's an internal migration. And so Redfin is doing this at a very interesting time. So as they expand into new markets and they get people aware of them, uh, they're going to have a chance to grab some of that low-hanging fruit in the markets when they show up and say, hey, we're here and you've heard of us because we had a Super Bowl ad. We, we have YouTube ads. We're on social media. We're, we're advertising in a bigger way. We're doing brand advertising. So they're going to have a chance to get some of that low-hanging fruit. I, I think that's good. It, but they are going to have to build better tools. They're going to have to do them do it quickly. And what I mean by that is like they're going to have to be able to, for example, instead of having an agent schedule uh, you know, your appointment to see a home, you're going to go into an online calendar and do that. Or you'll get an email that says, choose your time, and they'll automate some of that. So they do need to make agents more efficient, and they recognize that. But they're working on, on fixing that problem. And as they do, I think they will scale up very well. Yeah, I think 
when you're looking at their scale, there's always going to be some role for that touch of an agent, and and the need to increase you know that labor pool is going to put a cap on how quickly they can just ramp up growth. Uh, there's always yes. going to be there's always going to be some moderation to that growth driven by you know the people you have to bring in. You have to have those relationships and touch uh, to at least a certain part of the market. However, Redfin is at least for some customers experimenting uh, with this Redfin Direct offering that they really right. revealed with their most uh, recent earnings conference call and earnings press release, um, where they will offer uh, uh, unrepresented buyers the ability to bid for properties through Redfin's platform directly. Uh, just 10,000-foot overview, uh, Tim, can you, can you, for our listeners, kind of describe what Redfin Direct is and the value proposition uh, for a home buyer through it? Yeah. I mean, so the idea here is that if you're looking for a house and you find what you want, this is only in the Boston area right now. So this is in Boston, Massachusetts. It's a trial. Uh, it began in, in March. So really, it's just a pilot project, and they want to be able to see like if because the the Redfin website in every market that it's in is driven algorithmically. There's a lot of data behind it. Redfin has a very big engineering team. They have as many engineers, roughly, the last I checked, as they do brokers. That's amazing. So they really do put a lot of energy into getting good data, good tools, and the right uh, the the right information in front of buyers who visit the website. So if you do that in Boston, you can make a bid directly. You don't have to have an agent. You don't have to have a Redfin agent. Uh, the seller pays. It's just a total commission of two percent if the offer is accepted. Now there weren't very many accepted offers. It was I think it was one or I'm sorry five out of a uh, uh, 127 offers. But there were. 12 you know, offers rejected that were very competitive. They were in the game. Mm-hmm. So there is something to be said. I mean, more than 10% is, is pretty interesting, and it's brand new. I mean, you would. this is straight from ground zero to say, like, look, you don't need an agent. We're going to take the model that is fairly traditional for, like, new construction, where you represent yourself. Only this time, you're going to go look at a house you're going to make a bid yourself through our platform and we'll just you know put you into the mix. I, I think that's very interesting. The biggest potential drawback here is that it, it really flies. I mean, if Redfin was disrupting the brokerage industry before, now they are outright you know going to war with the brokerage industry with, with Redfin Direct if they take it national. Because then you're saying, look, you don't even need a buyer's agent unless you're you don't need an agent unless you're selling a home. That's the underlying message of Renfit Direct. Now they're not saying that, but if it does gain mass acceptance, that's the practical effect. Yeah, I think uh, and you had uh, CEO the Kelman say, you know, they still expect the vast majority of home buyers to use an agent and they hope it's someone employed by Redfin. However, you know, giving this offering to customers gives them a chance to, you know, when you're paying a less of a commission, you as a buyer uh, could pay a lower effective price, but the, the seller right. could still end up taking home more than they would have sell uh, selling to a buyer who may have been represented elsewhere just because of the commissions. But as you say, 
this does put Redfin, and it, this was always something that was going to happen with this company as it reached reached scale, sure. in a directly yep. antagonistic position, in this case, to buyer's agents. There are a certain number of transactions that buyer's agents will just not have access to um, because Redfin is offering this service. And this ties into uh, why Remax withdrew from their corporate partnership uh, with Redfin yes. following the Redfin direct announcement. Uh, Redfin's management had said, "Hey, we communicated uh, that we were going to, you know, that we were going to roll out this Redfin Direct offering." Told Remax, "You know, we don't view this as directly threatening to you." But Remax, you know, you know, with some with some merit, uh, had some concern that this uh, was going to undermine the ability for buyers agents in North America uh, to continue practicing their trade. Um, for me, I'm not super concerned by this because, as I said, eventually. Uh, as Redfin was disrupting this industry, sooner or later they're going to be antagonistic. I think management's yes. comfortability taking this risk at this time—they had said they'd attempted this in the past and it had not had as much success—but their ability to go back and, and try this again suggests to me that management is getting confident they have the scale to kind of live on their own and be antagonistic to the rest of the industry, uh, which to me is a sign that hey, maybe management thinks they've turned a corner. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Tim? I, I agree with you, and I also think this is emblematic of the way Redfin runs as a company. And I think this is important to note for investors: Redfin is a very—it's a deeply conservative company. So, for example, Redfin now was rolled out over a year. There was a trial period; it was a whole year, and there was a limit on what the company could spend in terms of buying houses, and it was $25 million. Now, they've upped that a little bit, uh, but they, they tend to do things in stages. They experiment. They, they experiment, they get the data, they see what's going on, and if it's not working, they immediately pull the plug. Um, and so Redfin Direct, by being in just one market with a small trial and then taking the data and then slowly moving forward, don't expect this to go nationwide anytime soon. And in fact, I would guess that even if it is successful, it'll be at least three years before this is available uh, across the country. And even that may be conservative because this is a company that is very careful about how it uses capital, about what kinds of solutions it wants to put in front of customers so that they can serve them best. Um, they, you know, this this company was founded in 2002, but uh, you know, Glenn Kelman came on in two. I'm sorry, founded in 2005. Glenn Kelman came on in 2006, and by 2008, they were in the middle of the worst housing crisis we've seen in uh, maybe ever, but certainly one of the worst housing crises. And that has made an impression on this business. They're not going to just throw everything to the wind and go whole hog on something. They're going to be very deliberate, very careful, and make sure they're serving customers properly. So you can expect that from Redfin Direct. I definitely think that you know more brokers are going to wake up and, and smell the threat that, that Redfin poses. But because they're moving deliberately and with care, it's more like you know the frog that jumps into the hot water and then you turn it up to to boiling a, just a degree at a time and then I think by the time Redfin really does get scale, uh, it may be too late for some of those brokers. Right, and then where do those brokers go to make a nice, comfortable salary with benefits and and equity in right. a company that is growing and has, has reached scale in in an, in an industry with a huge addressable market? Well, they could go work for Redfin and the cycle. 
uh, it helps them once again. Uh, you know, I, I will say one other thing from a demographic point of view. We talk about you talk about the 2008 the, the real estate market. I, I think structurally. Yes. There's a nice little put at the bottom of this real estate market for for someone like Redfin in this entry level home buyer market. If you look out over the past 20, 30 years, the long term median age of a first time home buyer has been 32 years old. Millennials, yep. the average age of a millennial right now is 30 and a half. So they're reaching that part uh, of their life where if you want to have children and raise them in a home, uh, it, it's put up or shut up time. And if you are, and when you're a first time home buyer, you are particularly price conscious, more so than, than yes. almost anyone else in the market. And in a scenario like that, as I said earlier on the show, those couple percent that amounts to thousands of dollars can really be a driving force for you as someone who is 26 years old of that generation. I'm much more comfortable with, you know, finding things online, taking care of things myself uh, to get that lower price, which is what Redfin offers. So I think. You know, the offering for for a buyer really makes a ton of sense. The offering for a broker really makes a ton of sense. It's in an industry that appears ripe for ripe for disruption. That high uh, uh, commission level is an opportunity. You know, that mar- your margin is my opportunity. That's an opportunity for Redfin. The demographics line up for them. I, I see really a lot to like with this business. Obviously, I own the stock, so I'm talking my own book. Um, but Tim, uh, you know, just a big takeaway when when you look at this company moving forward. I mean. Is there is there anything that's going to disrupt this? That's going to you know break break this story? It, it appears they've got a, a lot of runway ahead of them. Obviously, they're going to be antagonistic to brokers. We'll see how that happens, but the opportunity looks very large. It, it is very large, and and frankly, um, the the biggest risk there there are two big risks. The first is that they get too greedy. They take on too much with Redfin now, and what has been a you know, a group of very careful capital allocators uh, gets themselves into a balance sheet trouble and they have inventory they can't turn and then they start, you know, hitting write downs and then it becomes very hard to recover from that. This is why, uh, you know, home builders tend to, um, you know, be very careful. Uh, you know, they tend to buy land. And so when things get, you know, get wonky, um, you know, they really take some pretty hard hits. NVR is is one of the only that does not do that. I think Redfin is careful enough to avoid that risk, but you don't know. And then, of course, there are some heavyweights. Um, Zillow is also in this market. Zillow does not have the same level of do everything for you that Redfin does. They still contract out brokers. Um, you buy your leads from Zillow if you are a traditional realtor. So it's it's interesting. Having said that, they're moving very aggressively into the instant buying space. Um, Zillow offers is a real threat. Um, and we have here at, at the full, I, um, you know, I, I told you about Austin. We did a small experiment here in which we looked at three different types of, of brokers uh, to make an offer on his house. So Zillow came in at the top um, and called him and was very hands-on and asking questions about improvements. Then there was Open Door, which is a startup um, that's very tech-driven, uh, almost exclusively tech-driven, and came in with the lowest offer. There was no call. It was just like assumed that there were no improvements on his house whatsoever. And then right in the middle was Redfin. Um, there was a little bit of touch, not as much high touch as, as Zillow, um, but the data was very solid. And um, I mean, Zillow would have been the one that, that won the business just in terms of like price. 
But as is typical, Redfin came in with a pretty conservative but reasonable bid right there in the middle. That's kind of the way they operate. Mm-hmm. So they do have some competition, um, and, and that's not going anywhere. But I think that Redfin is pretty well positioned, and it's going to take Zillow some time to build out the rest of that uh, ecosystem that Redfin already has and then decide whether or not they really want to go whole hog and build their own army of brokers that Redfin's already got. I don't think they're going to go there because right now they're using the fees that they get from brokers in order to build this other area of their business. So it's a little bit of, you know, six one way, half a dozen the other. You don't want to totally disrupt everything at once, but they need to disrupt things. So Zillow's a threat, but I like where Redfin is positioned. Yeah, it's, it's interesting for me. Zillow seems to be kind of on the other side of that market from Redfin, whereas Zillow, if you're a, a, a real estate broker and you don't have a relationship with Zillow, you're going to have a really hard time getting leads. So they provide the tools that allow the existing real estate brokerage industry uh, to really flow and just you know yes. have the leads flowing. Whereas Redfin is really disrupting uh, the uh, real estate industry at its core, changing the way that it services customers. Um, Zillow has struggled more, as you mentioned, to move into parallel industries, whereas that has been a right. core aspect of Redfin's strategy from the very beginning. Um, right. Yeah, I think that this is a company that I really like. I think it's sold off since the announcement of Redfin Direct. We've, there's been concerns about their antagonistic stance with uh, the brokerage industry. I, I think this is a buying opportunity uh, for the company. I don't think it added any more risk than the company already had. They're doing this in a very purposeful, strategic way that even if it's a total flop, the business can still continue and maintain its momentum. Um, before we go away, I want to read one kind of quote from the CEO that I think is indicative of this company and its culture. Uh, he said at the end of the most recent earnings call, he said, the winner in our industry will have a culture of service and financial discipline. That culture depends on a thousand friendships between agents, engineers, and lenders on love disguised as hard work and hard work disguised as love. What's so strange about our society today is that we believe there's more magic in a company's technology than the people using that technology or in the way those people treat one another. Redfin believes in in technology, but technology on its own is just a glorified toaster oven. Our culture is our deepest source of competitive advantage. It's why we are more sure than we've ever been that we can win. And I think that stands to, you know, Redfin is leveraging technology, but also having that high touch, high service relationship that people look for. Um, I think the opportunity is big for them. I think they're well managed, and uh, I think you know investors should look at, at shares of this company as something to invest in for the long term. Any last thoughts, Tim? Yeah, yeah, and I, I just want to say, you know, that is very consistent. That's a great quote. That is very indicative of Glenn Kelman, and I think, and you can read. He does a lot of interviews. He blogs at, at Redfin. That is, that's Kelman. He is very sincere. He is in it to win it. This is the company I think he wants to retire with. This is it. This is his his final act. He didn't need the money when he joined Redfin. He still doesn't need the money. Uh, he's doing this because he believes in it. And, and that's the best place to be. Uh, but something he said at the time of Redfin's IPO, I think you, you may want to go back if you're an investor and read this. Uh, it's super interesting. What he said was that he likened Redfin to Amazon in two ways. One was that they wouldn't be afraid to disrupt the industry. And then second, that they would roll up and create efficiencies that you know were needed 
in in this industry. And he was talking about this back at the IPO uh, because you knew that they'd been cooking this strategy for a while. They've been cooking this strategy, what we're seeing now, for a very long time. So this is consistency of vision. Uh, it's ambition. It is, uh, you know, a a very heartfelt, you know, like they see this as a big mission. And when you have a a mission driven company with a little bit of an edge, it can go a really long way. So I'm a pretty happy shareholder too, Nick. I like this one for the very long term. It's a rule breaker. Yeah, it's it. You find all that with an industry that just the opportunities seem obvious for someone to come in and disrupt, and and they're doing it. So. I'm sure we'll have you on again uh, soon to continue following this company. I think this is going to be a winner for the long term. Uh, Looking forward to have you on again uh, soon, Tim. Thanks so much, Nick. You're welcome. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Tim Byers, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.